RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Here on this program, we have been banging on, fair enough to say that, I think, about fluoride and fluoridation of water supplies in New Zealand. Well, this has been a controversial thing for as long as I can remember. I used to get fed fluoride tablets by my mother. My grandmother was one of the original um, public dental nurses, you know, the, the red cardi and the white outfit and the um, the pedal machine in Westport she started. She ended up in the children's uh, dental um, facility in Willis Street, Wellington for the rest of her time. And she was always telling me that fluoride was great for teeth. It solved the problem of bad teeth in New Zealand. And remember, back in the day, they used to pull teenagers' teeth out completely in anticipation of them all rotting later on. I don't think they do that anymore. Anyway, so where's this all leading? Well, you may remember a few months ago, we had a couple of Bay of Plenty councillors on. They were concerned about being leaned on very heavily by the Ministry of Health to fluoridate their system. They had had nine systems. Two of them, they were being told, had to have fluoride in them. And you may remember the fines, $200,000, for not doing it, and then 10000 a day, I think it was, for every day you didn't put the fluoride in. There was a capital cost, I think, of nearly 200 k to do it, and then 60 70 k a year to keep it going. Okay, so I want to welcome onto the program again Jody Brunning, sociologist and trustee of Physicians and Scientists for Global Responsibility. And Jody was on last week on our health panel. By the way, how do you think that health panel went, Jody? Did we get around the issues in any sort of way that people could start to visualise what a new way of doing things could be before we get into this? Look, I think it was really, really important and it, it really taught, taught, um, talked to the biggest problem we have, which is chronic illness and the fact that most of that chronic illness is preventable and this includes mental mental Ill- illness and certainly can be alleviated and um, it you know, I think it's a. It's. I think everyone should be listening to it. I. I think it's really exciting. It was a really exciting and positive panel talk. And we'll do some more because we want to flesh it out and put more sort of flesh on the bones. Okay, so um, this whole thing with fluoride. Yesterday, you were in front of. Is it the Tauranga City Council? They're under some sort of commissioner management, aren't they, at the moment? Yes, I, I, I was granted um, five minutes and permitted to speak for six minutes by Commissioner Tolly. Uh, there were, the I think, the three other commissioners were there, but they were silent, and then there was uh, general manager management and staff there. Yeah. Um, and it was it, it was quite frustrating because the, it was very clear that, that Tolly was very uninterested in this. But but the, the people after me were dismissed after five or six minutes without questions as well. So I, I, I feel she was being, inverted commas, fair. How can five minutes ever be adequate for anything? That That's just your introduction, usually. Yeah, yeah. This is, and, and interestingly, we weren't, you know, you, when we talk about fluoride, people say, oh, well, you're just going to talk about the science, aren't you? And what we were actually talking about, our, um, our the title of the talk for, for PSGR was the uncertainty about pending challenges to the lawfulness of Ministry of Health fluoride directives to TLAs. So I would have presumed, maybe I'm incorrect, that that the lawfulness of the Ministry of Health fluoride directives, because we can talk about the, the, the failure of process since about 2016, and um, and we would have thought that they would have been interested, but obviously 
Um, you know, I think it's a done deal. They've got the tender up on their website. The tender is for um, hydrofluorosilicic acid, which is the is the formulation that includes the heavy metals. And um, I think, as far as Tolly's con- uh, you know concerned, it's you know my my, um, my conversation, my presentation was superfluous. And as an organisation, I was granted five minutes rather than the 15 that a far more gracious Bay of Plenty Regional Council granted me last week. Right. Okay. So why do you think they're so in the fluoride, what, what would you call it, tent? Why, why, why can't they move outside of that? Because there's compelling evidence now, thinking of the US National Toxicology Program, showing that there are harms. It does involve IQ the health of children, and it is a compulsory ground-up medication that that you really opting out of is incredibly difficult. Yes, so this is this is this is the predicament. This is you know this is this is not a medication. So fluoride, you know, theoretically works better because it's it's looking at your tooth enamel, and when we consume fluoridated water. And particularly for children, far higher amount is taken up inside the bones. Now, this is fluoride is not a nutrient. That's you know the European Food Safety Authority 2013, and there's there's an enormous amount of studies in the literature showing that it is a toxin, and it takes it's there's a very small margin of difference between it being so called not harming you and then harming you, and I presume. If scientific studies would were undertaken on the impact of, you know, teeth and teeth strength and and magnesium or vitamin D or they'd be found to improve teeth health as well, you know. Yeah. But th- there's this obsession around fluoride. And in 1957, the Royal Commission's, you know, they made this presumption. They said fluoride becomes a toxic substance only at levels much above those relevant to the process of fluoridation. So they're saying at 1.5 milligrams per litre, you know, above 7.7 milligrams per litre, you know, it's safe. And that's a 1957. And, and the part of the reason why they decided then was because that was the that, that, that was the optimum level because that was the average average levels they were testing. And, of course, we're, we're mainly talking about the English-speaking world here. Yep. Um, you know, this is Canada, the US, you know, England and Australia and New Zealand have adopted fluoridation, but I think I believe Europe has largely um, stayed away from that and we can get we can discuss that perhaps later, but but that's an anachronism. That's the, the fluoride is is only harmful at much level higher, much higher levels is now quite outdated. And this, as you said, this national toxicology program um, study is very important. But the reason it's still in draft form is because because of these political implications, and we can talk about that. Yeah, um, I wonder why someone would wed themselves so strongly to, first of all, something that's a compulsory medication from the ground up, the water supply, for God's sake. There isn't anything more fundamental than that. You don't drink the stuff for three days, you die. So how could you ever think that was okay? I think that they are being told and then they're being told again and then they're being told again. And Who's telling them? Well, the main people on the panels. Now, in my interview with Professor Grandjean, he found the same thing in the 80s, that the panels are stacked with experts in oral and dental health. 
And this is what we saw in the study in 2021 by the Office of the Prime Minister's Chief Science Advisor. Um, and, of course, they're under the auspices of the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, so they're fundamentally a political agency. We can't pretend anything else. Yeah. And so, so you know, Gluckman had, and um, they'd done a, and Skeg had done a, you know, a study in 2014. This 2021 was envisaged as the update. And in this 2021 study, they're sort of downplaying the National Toxicology Program. And... Um, it, that was very clear. It was like not relevant for policy. We're going to ignore it. And meanwhile, we're going to turn around and say that the Otago Broadbent 2015 study is just, it's the duck's nuts. It's fabulous. Yeah, you know? So again, the Kiwis know more than all the greatest brains in the world again. To they say. adored it. And fun, funnily enough, it was the, the Broadbent study was cited in another paper by Sabine Guth and colleagues. And, um, Sabine Guth just happened to be on the panel of advisors of the Prime Minister's Chief Science Advisor with all the other dental and oral health experts. So what we see, and, and, you know, Philip Joseph talks about with um, constitutional and administrative law, there should be no predeterminism. We should not have a, a, we should not fit policy around a concept of where we already believe the situation is like that. Yeah. You know, and then in law, the relevant considerations one would con- consider if, if they've been showing signs of risk of thyroid, thyroid intelligence connections since the 1960s. And that weight of evidence, so lots and lots of different studies all over the world, is accumulating. And as the National Toxicology Program found, they found that they found eight studies, they had eight studies that were looking, I think, at cognitive um, harm. And out of those eight studies, seven of them were saying, actually, it's dangerous. Yeah. And then they were looking at IQ and there's about 15 studies. Now I'm, I'm sort of missing that. I've got it somewhere, but I'm, we're talking, so I'll keep talking. And yeah. out of those, something like 14 said there's a connection with harm here. Eight, no, 18 of 19 found an association of fluoride exposure and lowered IQ. So the that, that panel, NTP, had all these toxicologists and experts you know, and so this is the biggest ever study in this area by a well-recognised authority. And so the, the OPMSCA, the Chief Science Advisor, you know, in the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, that she's not even a regulator, you know. So the, the idea that this 2021 update would inform the actual legislation that was passed in 2021 is diabolical. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. Here's the other thing. The Labor Party and there might have been another political party that were singing this as well. They were, um, as an election policy, promising to um, fund under the health system dental care for under 30-year-olds. Now, you would only do that if you perceived that there was a problem in dental health and that people weren't being treated for it adequately because they couldn't afford the expense of dentists. If fluoride works so well, why the hell do we have a problem in the first place? It seems they shot themselves down with that without realizing it. Well, I guess I guess you need lots of tools in the toolkit to make anything in public. Yeah, but health if it work. if it's a miracle, it's not working. 
Yes. So this is what's really interesting. If you look up a Ministry of Health OIA that that someone else um, put in, apologies to them, I can't remember their name, and the the DMFT, which is like a measure of all the how many dental caries kids have at each age group and and you know what what degree of loss was you can when you look at it you can see that it's marginal. So more often than not, it is slightly more improved, but. It is marginal. Sometimes it's less improved. So we cannot say, we cannot say that fluoridation is, is fixing this problem. It's the tiniest marginal difference for the fact that you're then putting a medication into the water supply. So what we what we would see if we were working, if, if processes were being followed according to public and constitutional law, we would see a waiting. Okay, see, they see this marginal improvement in this area, but we also acknowledge that if we were providing, for example, fluoridation tablets for low-income groups for Which free could be to easily do, very that easy. might solve this issue. Um, but because of the, the toxicity of fluoride, because the uncertainty be around toxicity, we know, you know, there's evidence that Fluoridation of water um, increases skeletal fluorosis, particularly particularly in oldies. There's evidence that if you've got aluminium in your diet, and most of us do to a degree, that synergistically makes fluoride and makes it more toxic. So this increases the incidence of like the tangles that you see in Alzheimer's. So there's all these other ways that there are that risk is occurring. And this was, you know, it, so, and that goes back to in 2016 in March, the, the regulatory impact statement, they didn't talk about neurological or brain harm, even though that's been in the literature since the 1960s. So it's sort of been out of scope, Paul. Do you think any, that these experts, these geniuses even know any of this? Well, what we often do is we turn our, turn our head because it's, it contradicts where we want to go and how we want to win. So we don't want to, we want to win this. We don't actually want to get to the the problem of it. And so then we have all the dentists that are desperately dealing with all these kids coming in with the carries. Yeah, look, they're making money. The dentists. Yeah. Yeah, but they- If they everybody's all, they, teeth is perfect, you're out of business, mate. Yeah, but the dentists don't want to see what they're saying. They, that, so, so I believe and- Yeah, we'll you know, stop your kids drinking gallons of Coke, which I see being taken out of the supermarket, and don't screw with my water. Yes. So, you, so stop the dairies being five minutes walk from the high school. You yeah. know, there's, Or there's, make, there's, it, make it prohibitively expensive. And we can actually Tax have- good- the sugar. We can have good food in schools. We can we can have, you know, home economics where the children are taught about the addic- addictive potential of all these ultra processed foods and the sugar sweetened beverages. But, but that's all tolerated, and it's it's lazy, isn't it? It's lazy. If well, you can point to one outsourced, it solves everything. You don't have to question people's responsibility for their own damn health. Well, and it's not. It's also. I mean, as we were talking about before, when you don't. When you know this food is addictive, and so that pa- there's a paper that I talked about in that other interview where they can see that ultra-processed food has almost the same addictive potential as alcohol, so yeah. you get a, you get similar addiction rates, slightly lower. And so for many people, it's it's the dopamine, you know, upregulation, and they're just they're so addicted. And you know, you 
you will not get logic then. And so we need multiple methods and educational systems to address that. And our government for a very long time, this is the red and blue, really haven't wanted to deal with the ultra-processed food problem. You know, Ardern set aside the sh- a sugar-sweetened tax conversation. And, um, you know, if you look at what it takes, what an addictive substance is and the, the, the things we do to slow the sales down, um, you know, there is that conversation that we really need to or have. bundle um, a whole bunch of free fluoride tablets with them. This is the thing. There yeah. are other ways of doing this. And in the meantime, people who pay their rates have to drink poison water, potentially. Absolutely. And when you think about what it potentially does to the elderly as well as the very young. So so the thing that is... Alzheimer's really- is through the roof, isn't it? Or it's way more accelerated than it was. There's got to be something there. Yeah. And so New Zealand's got multiple brain research institutes. So in since the, you know, there's the starting of fluidation in Wellington, Auckland, any of these brain research institutes could have looked at the rates of Alzheimer's or neurodevelopmental disorder in Wellington or Auckland, and then they could have compared them with the non-fluoridated regions. You know, we do have the issue that the children are cleaning their teeth, and, and so that will change how everything is. But, you know, we really, it would be really interested to see that. So we could have done all this research, but they haven't. Similarly, the New Zealand EPA have never done, I mean, fluoride is a toxin and it's being emitted into our into our fresh water, but they've never done any risk assessment. So this is why the, the processes to approve this, to get this pushed through um, parliament and turn into legislation, uh, we consider hugely um, deficient. So the EPA has never done the risk assessment. They've never looked at the lowest level, that lowest safe level of exposure. And so what's really interesting is in 2018, now this was never discussed by the Ministry of Health or the, the, I don't believe by the Chief um, the Science Advisor, is that in 2018 they did a study on fluoride in urine of Kiwis. And we can see that five to seven-year-olds have the highest levels of fluoride in their urine. So this is because children consume more by body weight. So if they're they're five kilos, they'll consume more per kilo than a grown-up because they're growing. And and they haven't even thought of that. Um, That is is stunning. Um, Okay, so... There's the history of it all, but then you go to an event like yesterday and present, and you've got Anne Tolly what falling asleep at, at the wheel because she's so bored and probably got better things to do, other things to do. They give you five minutes, which, which is hardly any time. If you're serious about this, you'd 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 go for as long as it took. So that that's BS. But was there any curiosity, any questioning of of what you had to say, anything like that? No, well, I was cut off because, of course, I I did actually I actually presumed because I've seen cultures in other local councils where if you're actually talking about something interesting and you're you know because they did you know she did ask and someone came over and said you know well, well what are you and I said well I'm a sociologist and well do you have a PhD and I said no but I've got a master's oh here we so go. They, here they were we very interested in how academic I was. So I thought, well, maybe I'll get a little yeah, bit. Of- well, can I just jump in again? This is the problem. The ego around levels of academia seem to be a real big problem in this country. Yeah. Big problem. We, we Where did that Olympic- come from? Where did these yeah. ego, petty ego stories start? 
I I don't know, but you know, as a social scientist, I know that a person with the lived experience, particularly a person that has um, researched something for a very long time and they've experienced it themselves, or they and they understand the situation incredibly well, are uh, extremely valid. So so that was that was quite interesting to to me. Um, I think. Tolly was interested, but she was probably more interested in getting to the end and moving to the next one. So she granted me an extension of one minute. That's not that's not interested, Jody. That's not being interested. I know. And what shocked me, I guess, was the absence of question time and just the silence of the general managers at TCC and the other the three other commissioners. Now, why would they be silent? Do you think? Um, because I guess they're just. They're just doing what they're told. So I, I oh, they're find there, that they're they're being paid by the ratepayers to have the best interests of the human beings in that area um, foremost, right up there, top of mind. Yeah, well, it's it can it cannot be addressed, you know, um, and and it was the same um, same behaviour to you know to the following people as well. It wasn't just me. Um, yeah, single you out, no. Yeah, so. Um, and, and really there's so much to talk about here because, you know, if you look at little tiny Kawarau with 7,500 people, they thought it might cost 50000 and then it's turned out that it costs 450000 Okay, here we go. Now we're on to it. We're following the money. To put, the, the, yeah, to put the fluoride. Small-minded New Zealanders are the greediest thing. people on the planet. Let me just make that. Um, that well, that. I, I can I, say that. You don't have to, but I can. I see that it's more of a we're just putting this fluoride product in water supplies and getting Can't it. stop the money flow, Jody. You can't. Can't get in and, the way of it. Uh, yes. Well, yes. Um, and so the appropriations budget in 2022 to 2023 um, was $4.5 And once I think they got all the feedback, they've doubled it. Unquestioningly, un- unquestioningly to nine million. So it, it comes again to the to the marginal difference in in a few dental caries. So now it costs more, does it? It costs more it now. Costs double than what they. Oh, were great. It, yeah, yeah. So that's really interesting. But of course, they're probably going to take get make the money back in their in their coercive two hundred thousand dollar fines. Now, do you think that's is that the fear spot? Is that the fear spot? Because when we chatted with the councillors some yeah. months ago, is it Rotor or Lakes? Oh look! Um, I, mm. I, while we're talking, I can I can let you, you let you know. But it did yes. seem to me at the time that one of the big problems they had was, and oh no, we had Rotorua Lakes as well. Is that what you just said? Yeah, we had um, a chap from there as well. And the common thing was, it's a two hundred thousand dollar fine, and it'll cost us ten k a day if we're not doing yes. it. They're to which terrified. I said, tell them to jam it. What are they going to do? Well, they're little, often they're little councils and they're so used to having not enough money for anything. And so this is, I mean, you know, I'm a sociologist. I look at the fact that they can, you know, central government can easily fund roads down in Tauranga. So why can't they afford water suppliers to be kept, their their amenities to be kept updated, their instrumentation to be kept updated without without questioning this? But so local councils have been artificially starved of money for infrastructure works. And so Sir Geoffrey Palmer years ago said, you know, they update all the legislation, they make it tougher in local jurisdictions, but they don't provide the funding to support that. 
So we we see these guys are so used to they've got a culture of actually being money starved. So they that the, a fine is really it puts them in. Yeah, the but state there are some hills everything. that you die on. Otherwise, there's no point to anything. You've got to have balls, right? Excuse my term. Well, Yes, but the, and that's where the cultural influence, where the legacy media only talking about fluoridation being safe and not letting would well, tell them to go jam it. I mean, this the is the thing controversies into the public sphere. So these people have many of them have grown up with the the the, the narrative or the rhetoric that fluoridation in drinking water is perfectly appropriate. Nuremberg, Nuremberg, you can't. You, there has to be informed consent at that level, and if if you don't have a hundred percent informed consent, you can't yep. do it. So, so, and what what we're saying is, you know, so you can't you can't get the legislation reviewed or heavily criticised unless you can really point to really bad processes. So, if we go back to you know 2016, 2017, when they first tried to to change it, the select committee there refused. So, thousands of public submitted talking about, and they the select committee acknowledged the majority of submissions said talked about fluoride risk and they said there's a risk. And then the select committee said we are not talking about the public concerns about risk because we are only speaking to the body of the bill. And then in 2021 with the inquiry, so it wasn't a select committee, it was it was an inquiry because they'd already done the select committee for this law, this this legislation that was just changed from just being moved to a local health provider to now being in the with the powers of the Director General of Health in 2021. It was a long process. And um and of course, the regular in, in, impact statements in 2016 is completely out of date, and all the costs are completely out of date, and all that sort of stuff. But when you get to 2021 and the inquiry, once again, they do the same trick. The select committee say we're not considering the public concerns around the health risk because we're only considering the body of the bill. So twice the public have been written out of the consultation process. Then you add the fact that the New Zealand EPA has never done a risk assessment. Then you add the fact that the the Office of the Prime Minister's Chief Science Advisor did a paper where there was no methodology, no terms of reference, nothing structured. They just cherry-picked. But what we're seeing is a completely broken process that that actually deserves to be looked at by the courts. Mm. It's such, and it's a very, very bad process. And then we've got the other environmental issues because it's, because it's got a, fluoride has a, part of why it's a little bit dangerous is because it's got a very strong negative charge, right? Yeah. So when it goes down your pipes, it's going to draw out copper and brass and lead and, and, and the other place, somewhere, somewhere like Kawaro with, with a lot of ground movement underneath, there could be likely to be more um, fluoride shifted, dislodged, but also cadmium, other heavy metals. So it pulls up potentially the heavy metals in bound form. So, oh mm. so what your Wellington leaky taps problem could relate to fluoridation of water for 40 ah, years. Ah, hadn't thought of Den- that. Yeah. Dunedin... I think they've got a leaky taps problem as well, do they? I think they've well, been I think a lot of places have leaky tap. Fluoridated for a very long leaky time. Pipes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so the then you get the old state houses. So I suspect this is my my speculation is that yeah. Europe because of course Europe's not fluoridating. They don't have similar issues. 
No, they're not fluoridating their drinking water. And so I really... No, no, with pipes and things, you know. They must have, because, of the. I mean, Europe's so old with all their old pipes. I wonder if they actually made that scientific relevant consideration yeah. when they were thinking about all this stuff. Okay. So it looks like it's full noise, no turning this around unless people start to get militant. Well, it needs to get into the courts or... National goes, this is ridiculous. I can use that nine billion, nine million bucks for something else. Well, that's what I would let's, be thinking. Let's just see. National could just turn around and repeal. Well, by, why know? would I want to play, pay the water component of my rates? I'm not yeah, getting I'm not getting cost. what the product that I want to be getting. So why yeah. even pay? Because of this terrible negative charge, it destroys fluoridation like drinking water plants. It requires lots of ongoing costs that other, say, chlorine doesn't tend to have from what I understand. So that those ongoing costs that are, will now be elevated because they're managing fluoridation is going to be that, that those ongoing costs are going to be taken by the local ratepayers. Wow. Anything more to say about um, the meeting you went to yesterday or in the bigger picture before we kind of wind it up? Um, I think, you know, I think we've covered a lot of it. I think, you know, that, but the other, and the other thing is that the scavenger, you know, because that negative element, fluoride being a scavenger, when it's in your body. So we're looking at, we know we're low in magnesium and molybdenum and all so, these. So other, it leaches you out of all those things, is it? It will bind and it could render them both available. And so they've known for a very long time about this issue, but we don't, we're not studying it in New Zealand. And here's a, here's a last thought for you that's quite amazing. And, and, People who love the environment straight away should prick up their ears before I, I go on. But because of its potential endocrine-disrupting impact of the thyroid because it's knocking out iodine or just making dysregulating iodine, and that's one of the main reasons that fluoride is known as a neurotoxin and has been accepted, susceptible for being a, a neurotoxin since the 60s. So all vertebrates rely on the same hormonal thyroid, you know, thyrox, um, sorry, iodine and um, thyroid pathways, the yep. same molecular, molecular structures. Okay. So tuna, fish, frogs, all vertebrates, and I'm quoting um, Deminet, have from fish and frogs to humans produce and use thyroid hormone, and that thyroid hormone in all these different species has exactly the same chemical structure. Yeah. So... Again, our, our NZEPA has just hands off this issue, even though tons and tons and tons are being emitted from Auckland and from Wellington and we'll, we'll now have, you know, kilograms. So the regional councils will approve, say, 19 kilograms to come out of Waikato a day and um, there's no science being done to say is that safe to the vertebrates in the streams. And that's the big effort um, is to improve water quality. You've got people literally dictating to others how they should manage their areas where there is a water component. Yet at the same time, they're bloody doing this. Yeah. So on, if you look up um, Bay Plenty Region, sorry, if you look up psgr.org.nz, there is a there is a presentation that I made to Bay Plenty Regional Council where I really concentrated on the environmental yep. risk and, and and the deficiencies with the NZ EPA here, and all that fancy new freshwater legislation won't 
give them a pathway where they have to look at fluoride because it's either about nutrients and sediment or bacteria. It's not about environment. Why would they leave that out, do you think? Um, I Look, when I first, years ago, when I first went to um, an EDS conference and I saw the way they kept environmental chemicals out of the discussion um, and then someone said to me, no, that's that's been kept out for, for years. Right. I mean, it will impose costs, you know. And, and, and if we even look at StatsNZ and we look at how we value water, our water is only valued for the stocks and flows, our water stocks and our water flows. So the, the extent of pollution that, for example, where Fonterra might need to, to have clean water to put through their factory, that's not considered. Rocky. Boy, are we still in the dark ages. We've got to talk about it, and I haven't been uh, permitted on legacy media, so I'm really grateful for this opportunity, Paul. Thank you. Yeah, do you think that's um, just because of the group think? Because I've argued even with some of my relatives about this, and they just will not give an inch. They won't even buy the argument that to compulsory medicate at that level is a fundamental breach of human freedom and rights. They can't even get their head around that. Yeah, we're, we're taught in New Zealand that if you, and many other countries too, if you if you criticise a technology, you know, you're, you're an anti. And so, therefore, there's a rhetoric around you being that difficult person. And, you know, it's it's really, you know, you, then you get the cognitive dissonance, you get the the people, the will, what we call willful blindness, the people looking aside. But, um, you know, hypocrites are people that refuse to address contradictions. You know, yeah. they refuse to engage in logical reasoning to highlight the contradiction um, or the belief or the behaviour. And we really we really need to be talking um, because if we don't talk about these issues, we can't understand, we can't know. Absolutely right. Well, at least there's somewhere where we can talk about these things now and more and more people are listening and it goes far and wide. So there, there we go. Take that, fluoride freaks. All right. Um Good to catch up with you again, Jody. Thanks for coming on. Nice effort yesterday in front of Anne Tolly. Uh, thank you for getting up there and saying things, and we'll, we'll just keep the pressure on, I guess, is what we do, the water pressure on. Thank you so much for being in this space, Paul, and thank you at Reality Check Radio. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.